This is Issues 2023. I'm Steve McIntosh, and our guest is Wichita City Manager Robert Layton. Welcome to Issues 2023, sir. Happy to be with you, Steve. Recently, you hired a new police chief. Is he going to work out, or do we know by now? (laughs) (laughs) That's a loaded question, isn't it? Um, Yeah, yeah, uh, Jill Sullivan um, is, um, I think, uh, doing everything that's necessary to learn about the community, learn about some of the issues that the police department um, is facing right now. And um, he's um, on what I consider to be kind of an extended uh, listening tour. And um, I I continue to hear uh, positive comments about uh, uh, how he's talking about our uh, issues uh, in the community and uh, what um, he's doing to solicit input from um, residents and business owners and um, and, and the folks that have a stake in, in our uh, success. You know, and it, it seems like a very uh, trivial thing, I suppose, to most folks, but the, the little bet in the wager they did on the Super Bowl, he and the uh, the sheriff, that was good. That was some good, uh, if you pardon the expression, that was some awful good PR. That was just showing, showing that the guys. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, he, he's very good natured, and he's developed a good working relationship already with the sheriff. And so I was happy to see that they had that wager. And as a Chiefs fan, I was happy to see that he lost. So. <laughs> yeah, okay. How many, uh, I'm gonna, if you start with the basics, for, we haven't talked for a while. How many people are, are actually employed by the city of Wichita now? We have about 3,100 uh, full-time positions uh, or full-time employees, and then we have um, probably a thousand more uh, part-time and seasonal employees that work for us. And uh, is the help wanted sign out at City Hall? Uh, it sure is. Um, has been uh, ever since the pandemic, and um, it, we, we face many of the hiring challenges that uh, both public and private um, employers are facing today. Um, we are. I'm starting to see that our candidate pools are getting a little larger, uh, but we've had to be creative uh, in terms of our recruitment efforts uh, in order to, be, to to make sure that we do have uh, you know good candidates and a, and a good number of them coming uh, into um, our uh, interview process. Now, when the when the pandemic came along, I, was, I suppose that had an impact on some people just leaving the city for your employment. But I'm also wondering about the the impact of uh, uh, age. I, I don't want to. I don't want to get into ageism here, but there are people who are probably uh, retiring from the city as, as as well as other places. Right, and you know we've had a pretty steady pace of retirements. I don't know that they were accelerated um, because of COVID, uh, but it just has to do with. Um, you know, the baby boomers working their way through uh, the employment uh, cycle. And uh, we are seeing that some people are willing to work longer. And that's one way that employers are dealing with the issue. I'm trying to make it um, more enticing or trying to entice people to stay longer. There's a, as you can imagine, somebody who's been with us for 20 years has a, a significant knowledge base. And you'd hate to see that just walk out the door. Um, we are trying to make this a good place to work. Um, we want to be an employer of choice, and um, that means attracting people into the organization, but just as importantly, retaining folks. And has the city made any uh, pay adjustments uh, uh, to attract and keep workers? Well, we have. Um, we've negotiated uh, agreements with all of our um, unions, and all of them had bumps that were um, meant to uh, make us more attractive to folks that are that want to enter our workforce. 
Um, a good example is uh, transit. We've had a difficult time getting enough bus drivers for our system, and so we've um, uh, increased that starting pay significantly uh, to try to attract folks. And, and you know, we're in a competitive environment. Uh, the uh, uh, company that runs the school bus system uh, continually ratchets up their starting pay, yeah. and so we, we we have to be mindful of what they're offering new employees, and we have to be competitive. Of course, you did you raised uh, some pay for the fire department, isn't that correct? We did, we did. There was a concern on the part of our, our fire employees that they were being underpaid when compared to other cities uh, in the Midwest, and we spent a lot of time working with them to. Uh, look at what um, those departments were making, what what starting salaries were, what it, someone who was five years or ten years into the system, um, what they were making, and then we adjusted accordingly over a three-year period. It's a three-year contract, uh, so that we can um, uh, properly pay um, our employees that are either coming into the organization or the department or, or um, are have been with us for a while and um, need to be compensated for their experience and their training. What has been the impact of uh, a federal pandemic relief dollars on city budget here in Wichita? Well, it was life-saving uh, relief uh, or assistance. Uh, I don't know what we would have done in 2021, especially had we not received the CARES Act money and then the, behind that, uh, the ARPA money. And um, it allowed us to fill some gaps. Um, we had uh, short term, especially in 20 and 21, we had reductions in our revenues uh, that are generated here in Wichita. Sales tax revenues is a good example. Uh, those uh, revenue sources have started to rebound, but that uh, federal money it allowed us to, to kind of tread water until we could see our economy start to take off again. That's why my next question now is that pandemic impacted uh, revenue for the city and well um, initially significant downturn right and that's where the federal assistance uh, helped us uh, but now it's coming back and coming back strongly and I think it's reflective of what's happening in our economy I, I don't know if we talk enough about it but um, there are some real success stories out there um, our aviation companies are doing much much better and uh, therefore, their employees are feeling more comfortable about their position, are spending more. So we see sales tax revenues uh, increasing. Our property values continue to increase, and we rely on property tax to help fund a lot of our services. So, um, you know, I could go on and on about some of the success stories we've had in the economy, but this, uh, I think we're finally really serious about diversification, and I think that's going to make us stronger and maybe a little more resistant to downturns in uh, future recessions. Well, recently, we got word that there's a new chip factory going on uh, over at Burlington in, in eastern Kansas, not far from here. And it, tell us about uh, the incentives and tax incentives to attract that new microchip factory to Wichita. How did that work? Right. So um, it's multi-layered. Um, the, there's a program at the state level called Apex, which is for large projects that will help diversify the Kansas economy and Integra qualified for those incentives. Uh, they, However, their project can't go forward if they don't receive federal assistance from a recently adopted um, bill called the CHIPS Act, which provides uh, significant dollars for high-tech, especially semiconductor uh, production. And um, I, I know that uh, the Integra project will be applying for those funds. 
probably here at the end of the month and are hopeful that they'll be rewarded those and then their project can go forward. There also is a local incentive component and um, whoever uh, winds up hosting Integra will be required to provide some type of local incentives. This approach of uh, local, state, and federal on a problem or any, any kind of a problem, is, is this something you've seen a lot of in, in your career? You know, it ebbs and flows, Steve. When I first started in the business, there was pretty robust intergovernmental assistance, right? We had significant assistance from state and federal governments. In some of it, just our daily operations, there was a program way back when called federal revenue sharing, which were dollars that were not earmarked for any specific purpose, and the city was allowed to spend those dollars as they, see, as they saw fit. Um, many cities use those dollars to help with capital uh, improvements uh, to help uh, build up their infrastructure. Those days are long behind us, but I've noticed um, a lot more uh, cooperation at the state and federal levels in the last five years. So it's crossed administrations, um, in D.C. especially. Uh, A great example of that is our water treatment plant, uh, and then we'll be making uh, changes to our uh, sewage treatment plant as well. And the capital costs for those um, would have been uh, well beyond our reach if we had to do it solely on our own. But we're receiving low interest loans from both the federal and state government, which do make those projects affordable now and and, uh, will set us up nicely uh, for both water and sewer operations for the next 30, 40, 50 years. It seems like every weekend when at the city council meeting, they are considering a request for uh, industrial revenue bonds funding, and, and I know that industrial revenue bonds, IRBs, play a big part in, in growing business uh, in any city. And yet, I, <laughs> just my observation, I bet most people probably don't understand how IRBs work. Can you help us with that? Give us a, give us a kindergarten version here. How does it work? <laughs> sure, sure. So industrial revenue bonds um, – have the name of the city of Wichita on them, but they're not considered actual debt for the city. Uh, The debt obligation passes on to the company. They can receive a slightly more favorable interest rate on that debt for a period of 10 years. But probably more importantly, as many of those projects receive property tax incentives um, or reductions as well as sales tax exemptions on construction materials. And that's the, 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 those incentives are what normally pushes a project over the edge. We always look at the, these projects to make sure that there's a sufficient revenue or, or a sufficient gap in their project expenses and revenue um, to justify the city assistance. And, uh, that, but our assistance comes through property tax um, forgiveness, not in terms of um, actual incurring the debt. So if you, if you issue bonds for uh, Acme whatever, the city actually has no risk there, is that correct? No, no, no risk whatsoever. And so if Acme were to default on those bonds, say five years down the road, um, it, the, their creditors are the ones that will be um, going after Acme um, or um, any assets that Acme held. Um, they would not have any rights to come after the city. You're listening to Issues 2023 on the Odyssey radio stations, and our guest is Wichita City Manager Robert Layton. The new water plant you mentioned is taking shape in West Wichita. I, you know, I drive out that way quite a bit. I tell you what, that that thing is big. <laughs> when, it is. When, well, I, did, I, I, thought I, gonna, yeah, yeah. I thought it was going to be 
about the size of a you know a, a small gymnasium or something. That thing is really big. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, you're only off by what? How many fold? Um, oh, wow. It's um, it is one of the largest water plant projects in the country. Um, so that'll give you an idea on the significance of the of the project. But what, one of the things we learned um, as we were analyzing our old operation is that we can't be solely reliant on a single water treatment plant, right? And so we've got two strategies. One is to build in redundancies in all the systems at the new plant. So if a, one part of the plant goes down, we sh- should be able to have a backup that will keep the plant functioning. But on top of that, we learned that we probably need to um, mothball the existing water treatment plant and keep it in decent condition so that if something catastrophic were to happen to the new plant, we would still have a backup plant. Mm. And, uh, you know, so that, I, I think that's really important for our residents to know. Um, I know there's been a lot of concern about water. Unfortunately, we had that water uh, boil order, uh, you know, over a year ago. And I think that brought to um, the forefront the concerns about being dependent on a water system and when you don't have water, what the impact can be. So what's going on right now with infrastructure and the old pipes out there? Yeah, so on top of the construction of the new plant, we're also um, aggressively addressing um, the aging of our water um, uh, water mains, uh, our distribution system. Yeah. And um, uh, we've, uh, you know, we, we the council's been really um, uh, uh, committed to making sure that we put the right amount of money in every year for the upgrading of the pipes. Um, you know, when we had that boil order, that was an unanticipated um, event. We we never that line was never on our condition assessment uh, inventory as a line that was um, uh, subject to any kind of corrosion or um, uh, you know possible failure. And so that one caught us off guard. But we do have uh, significant uh, inventory information for our entire system, and we've been replacing uh, our lines as we see elements of risk. Uh, so that we can, you know, again, keep the system running. And would you just, just uh, again, uh, tell us what the uh, new tra- treatment plant is going to cost ultimately, and, and when when do you think it will be completed? New plant will cost about a half billion dollars, and it should be completed by the end of 2024. All right. It's big. <laughs> You know, yeah, it really is. I encourage people to, to go out and take a look at it while it's under construction. It, it is a phenomenal public works project. Well, you know, the Wichita water supply to me looks pretty good for many years to come. Unlike some cities in the U.S., I know are struggling with this, with the water thing, right? You know, they really are. And it goes back to, you know, your question about partnerships. I don't know where we would be if we um, didn't have, you know, strong support from uh, the EPA and from uh, the state uh, where they recognized that you know we needed help in order to be able to keep our system uh, functioning uh, and you know be able to guarantee it for the next 30, 40, 50 years, like I said. Um, I have to give a, a lot of credit to our staff as well. They've uh, stayed on top of the uh, condition of our water and sewer systems as, so that we don't experience the kind of failures that you're seeing in Jackson, Mississippi, and other communities around the country. Tell us about the program to... Uh reward citizens who install water and energy conservation appliances. Yeah, we've got a rebate program. And so, um, and that's to recognize the fact that we don't have an infinite water supply. 
in fact, the, after the beginning of this year, we uh, entered into what we call the first phase of our drought plan, recognizing that our Cheney water supply is uh, shrinking somewhat. We're doing great with uh, equispeds and the amount of water that we have stored underground, but we have at least one revenue, or excuse me, one uh, water source that it, we're struggling with. So if you go ahead and put in a water-saving device uh, or appliance in your home uh, during the 2023, we will give you a partial rebate uh, for the cost of that uh, purchase. Is it is it working? I mean, I don't know how you can tell if it's working, but uh, you can... It is working, and I apologize, Steve, I don't have the exact numbers here yeah. in front of me, but we do have... Um, uh, estimates on how much water we've saved as a result of the rebate program being in place. And then we're also really fortunate that um, the that Spirit has um, committed to taking about a million gallons of treated uh, effluent from our sewage treatment plant, and they use that as substitute water in their manufacturing process. So that's a million gallons a day that we don't have to produce of clean water um, to spirit, and that helps us towards our conservation goals as well. I had some uh, conversation about the city uh, and and an ethics policy. Uh, uh, what what is that, and where are we on that on ethics? Well, we've the city staff has always had an ethics policy in place, but I think what you're referencing is the one that was adopted by the mayor and council uh, to be applied to elected officials and um, members of our boards and commissions. And um, the council just recently had a discussion about how that should be reviewed and maybe amended. There's a a board, an ethics board, that provides uh, guidance to the mayor and council and also reviews any complaints. And they've got some recommendations on how to better operationalize the ethics policy, maybe some tweaks that need to be made. And uh, that's probably what discussion you've heard in the last 30, 60 days. Now, is the city dealing effectively with just the broad, broader issue of, of diversity and uh, with the way we treat each other? Well, I, when you say broadly, I don't know if you mean citywide or within our organization. It's an important priority for us in the organization, and it's it's hard to serve a public that um, that doesn't um, under when you're employees don't necessarily understand all the issues in the community and what's important to the residents. And so our organization should be reflective of the community and its makeup. And that's what we strive to do in terms of um, from a a gender standpoint, a racial standpoint, uh, making sure that we're mindful of issues um, that are impacting the lives of residents with disabilities. Those are all things that are very important to us and and you would expect would be important to a public organization. I'm going to take you, take you in the realm of HR now, human resources, for just a second. You know, I work for a, a company. We work for our Odyssey has a, a number of radio stations across the country, quite a few. And every now and then we'll get a, something come down in our email and say, you need to take this course. They've got these little video courses on, uh, on all kinds of things, whether it's uh, uh, how to behave uh, regarding uh, gender in, in the workplace, uh, sexual harassment, things like that. Uh, and, and you know, a lot of resources, I guess, for that kind of thing. Does the, does the city of Wichita do those kinds of things? We do. In fact, Steve, uh, the way that I know you, I wonder if you've seen any of those videos. It probably you could benefit from watching those. But um, 
I can't. I can't. I'm not smart enough to find your web page. So go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, we do. We have a very robust training program. Some videos, some in-person training. We also uh, use outside resources um, in terms of uh, bringing uh, instructors into the organization. I. It's extremely important to us that our employees stay current uh, in their field and with issues that are, are that. Um, organizations are facing in the 21st century, including some of the things you're talking about, yeah. you know, ever-changing laws that deal with uh, sexual harassment and uh, work, workforce yeah. violence and issues like that. Each week, your office generates a multi-page detailed document called the City Council Agenda for the coming week's meeting, of course. Can you walk us through, if you can, the, the process of putting that together? <laughs> sure. I don't think anybody's ever asked me that. Well, and I don't, I don't want you to get too involved. <laughs> no, I won't. But that, that week, that's about a two-week process. Okay. Um, so I will, on a Friday afternoon, I'll receive a um, council, uh, I'll receive the agenda in a draft form with uh, staff reports that are all in draft form. And I'll review those over the weekend along with some members of my management team. We'll sit down on a Monday then and go through those. We'll edit, we'll ask additional questions, and then during that following during that week, uh, staff will revise reports, uh, maybe we'll pull some reports, maybe add some items, and then by the time we get to Friday of that week, the agenda is ready to go final for council uh, review and uh, uh, obviously adoption of the recommendations that are in the reports. So they'll get them on Friday. The public gets them or has access to them on Friday. And then the following Tuesday, the council will actually take their formal action. So you're actually up very late on Thursday evenings looking for typos. Isn't that correct? <laughs> actually, it's usually Saturday or Sunday that I'm looking for the typos. Yeah. Now, did we learn but, from the, yeah. the COVID pandemic? I mean, is this, you think the city's prepared for the next pandemic if there is one? And I hear people say all the time, oh, yeah, there's going to be one. Uh, what do you think? Wow. You know, yeah, we, you can't give that answer in isolation. Is the city ready to be um, mm. uh, more flexible and responsive? I think so. I think we learned a lot of lessons, especially yeah. you know how best to organize our staff, how to use technology. But how will the federal government deal with the next pandemic? Because we re- we're so reliant on them for resources and um, even advice on, on actions that we need, need to take. So I don't know. I'm not sure that we've at the national level that we've learned enough lessons yet. Did you ever uh, actually come down with COVID? I did, yes. Mild, bad? Um, you know, for a few days, it didn't. I wasn't in real good condition. And it, I would say that it took me a good week to finally get back on my feet. Well, it's interesting here. Of course, here, yeah. uh, our morning show co-host, Ted Woodward, was out for six weeks. He got it very bad in the hospital and all that ICU I I was tested once for it and tested positive, and I didn't even have a sniffle. I had no oh, symptoms wow. at all. So then it's just a it's just a creepy, creepy virus, no doubt about it. It is, and my heart goes out to folks who've actually had you know come down with the COVID a second time. Yeah, uh, I don't know too many people that were that had it in a you know that it was more severe the second time, but they still had symptoms that were not pleasant. Now, it, final question for the day: Is your job still fun? It, I would say most days it, it is. It's a lot of fun. Um, I've told you before. This is a w- wonderful community. You know, lovely people, and I, uh, I and I love the our business operation. I 
I uh, could spend uh, forever working with uh, the talented group of people that we have here in the city. And that's what makes me smile all the time. It's just I see the good work that they do. And, you know, I think our biggest challenge is making sure that the public understands that they're getting value for the dollars that they they spend with us and and, uh, keep working on that. Well, thank you for your time as always. We'll talk again, I'm sure. Our guest this week is Wichita City Manager Robert Layton. That's all for this edition of Issues 2023. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening. I'm Steve McIntosh.